This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church. www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org Good morning. If you turn in your Bibles to the 118th Psalm this morning, we're going to look at three aspects of the stone. And uh, if you are listening to the scripture that Leslie had read, you'll get a glimpse there of the stone, and you'll know who the stone is, <clears throat> and um, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then I'll read uh, verses 22 and 23 in 118th Psalm. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and time. We thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, as we look into your word today, we ask for your Holy Spirit's help, Lord, uh, to not only put these words forth, Lord, but prepare the hearts of the folks uh, that are in this building today, Lord, we turn this time now over to you and ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Okay, verses 22 and 23 in 118th Psalm, the stone which the builders refused has become the head stone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, it is marvelous in our eyes. And you notice there at the end, uh, there's a period after verse 23. Uh, and over in Matthew 21, starting in verse 42, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. He asks a question here. Therefore say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you, given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Whosoever shall fall in this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them. Today, when we uh, think of the stone, uh, we know, I think we don't have to reveal that, that it's Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the stone. Uh, but to different folks, that stone is revealed or looked at uh, in a different way. And that first point today, the first uh, group of folks that look at the stone in a certain way uh, is the nation of Israel. And to Israel, coming not as a great king, but in the form of a servant, he is a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And back to Matthew 21, when we uh, think of the prophecy that's written over here in um, verse 6 from Zechariah 9.9, it says, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a in a colt, the foal of an ass. Jesus comes in to Jerusalem on the week that he's crucified, uh, and he comes in on a donkey. Okay, now, the Jewish folks don't expect this man to deliver them from the, the Roman nation coming in on a donkey. You know, they would have more expected a, a, a king coming in on a white horse uh, with a crown, uh, maybe with some soldiers behind him, ready to overthrow Rome. But that didn't take place uh, on that day. Don't worry, that's coming. Uh, there's going to be another day when that happens. Uh, but over in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says this, He shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. 
uh, since the time that there has been a Jewish nation, millions of Jews have dropped into hell, into torment, not believing in who this Messiah is. Unfortunately, we have quite a few, many saved Jews. And as I was sharing with the Sunday school class today, I read, just read a great book uh, from Hitler's Hell to God's Peace. Uh, it was about a gentleman named uh, Dr. Ben David Liu. And uh, he was a guy that um, was, a, was a, as a young boy, uh, was in a Nazi concentration camp in the Second World War. And um, one of the things that shows God's providence, how they, he protected him. Uh, for the two years that he was at Auschwitz, uh, not only the, all the countless Jews that were, were, were murdered um, by these thugs, that um, every day the, not, the death camp commandant used to read the names of 50 people. And the, they would be taken out by the death squads and just put up the firing squads and executed. Every day for two years he had to endure listening to these 50 names to see if his name was in there. But God protected him. His name was never called. And then right with the war, the, the days are waning on the Second World War, they finally put everybody in this one compound he was living in to take him to another camp where they were going. They didn't have enough room at Auschwitz. They were too busy. So he was taking the overflow of some of these Jewish folks and bringing them to another camp where they were going to kill him. He goes, and the train's going along. He says they were stuffed in there. And all of a sudden, it comes to a, an abrupt halt. And they come out of the thing with their hands up, and there are these soldiers around them with machine guns, and they said, we're, he's thinking, I'm all done, I'm gonna, we're going to be killed, murdered right here. And when he noticed, he goes, they weren't Nazis, they were Americans. And as he looked up, he also seen these angels coming out of the sky. He says, wow, are those angels? Actually, they were paratroopers. And they were American paratroopers come down, and they sent these Jews to the rear. And um, a couple of things there, the, the Russians were only about three to five miles away from where they were. So they didn't fall into the hands of the Russians. The Americans were ushering them to the rear. And when they were, were meeting with this lieutenant or captain who was doing all the um, processing of them in this camp, they, they were asking these Jewish folks, where would you like to go? So another thing that happened throughout this thing, him and his wife weren't separated. They say there was a young girl that it was his, it was, he grew up and became his wife. They stayed together in the camp. They both survived the camp. They were in there. They didn't have their families anymore. She was only a little bit behind them. When they decided where they wanted to go, they said, where would you like to go? He said, America. Not only they had relatives there, he says, but I heard that America is a land of opportunity, and it's where he got saved, and when he was there, many Jews, he had a ministry out in Detroit for many years, and many Jewish folks got to know their Messiah. Um, but you know, today, the, the majority of Jewish folks, he is a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. In Romans chapter 9, 32, right on through to uh, chapter 10, verse 2, the Bible says, wherefore... Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is, as that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. I remember being back in Israel in 2014 on the very last day down at the Wailing Wall and um, saw this rabbi. He's got this pulpit with him down by the Wailing Wall, and, and I don't know Hebrew, but he is zealously crying out to God. I could tell some of the names of God that he was, he was imploring, and he's looking up to the sky, and he's going, and he's grabbing, he's crying, and all I could think of was whenever I read this scripture verse, I always see him. 
because he was zealously crying out to God, but probably not according to knowledge, as the Apostle Paul says. Uh, over in Exodus 17, 6, it says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. There shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And we move into the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Bible says, But we preach Christ crucified, Unto the Jews, a stumbling block. And over in chapter 10, verse 4, And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. When those Jews were out in the, in the desert, coming out of Egypt, Jesus was with them the whole time. You know, folks think, you know, and uh, this is a, a Roman Catholic belief. Now, you know, Jesus came to be in Bethlehem when he was born in that manger down there. Uh, I thought that for many years as a young person growing up. Uh, but he existed way back in eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was with God. So when the Jews were coming through there, their Messiah was walking side by side with them. He was leading them through the desert. He provided them water. Uh, he provided them manna. He provided their needs for them in the desert. 1 Peter 2.8, but he was this to them. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Based upon what Scripture says, they were appointed. Okay, to The majority do not believe uh, that Jesus is the Messiah. Number two, to the Gentile world powers, he will be a smiting stone of destruction. Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, the Bible says, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Now, unless you've been living in a cave, you probably realize the events that are taking place in the world. The world is fast moving toward a one world government and a one world religion. And because, as you can see, not only the United States, but other governments around the world are inept to run themselves. If a world leader came on the scene right now who had all the answers to the wars in the world and had all the answers to the uh, economies and the famines and everything else that's going on down there and countries not getting along and people hating each other and a person came along now and brought everybody together and made everything nice in the world for about three and a half years anyway and uh, people would love that individual. They say, who is like unto the beast? Who can make war with the beast? Right? Isn't the world ripe for that now? But you know what? When we look in the book of Daniel and we think of these kingdoms that have already come and we think of the Babylonians uh, and then the Persians and the Medes and the Greeks and the first Roman Empire, there's going to rise a revived Roman Empire based on the ten-nation common market coming out of Europe. Uh, we don't know where the United States will be that then, but I know when the rapture takes place, uh, there'll be a lot of Christians leaving this place, uh, and there'll be a lot of, and, and who knows where this country's going from there. Uh, but when that salt or that preservative gets taken out, uh, there's going to be a quick decay. It is going to be a quick decay. And we see the stone cut out without hands. 
Okay, the Antichrist is not the answer because he's a false Christ. He's a false Messiah. And you take any world leader today, not one of them can even be an imitation of that Antichrist, let alone the Antichrist who's only an imitation of the Christ, the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ himself. And when Jesus comes back, and when Jesus comes back over there in Revelation 19, I'll read from verse 11. Bible says this, remember when I read in Matthew 21, he came in on that donkey right down here in Jerusalem. It's going to be a little different at the end of the tribulation period. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He is the Word. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. I don't know about you, friends. I don't want to have nothing to do with the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Jesus took my wrath over in the cross. Okay? And you can escape that today, or you can wait and, and, and wait for that judgment. No thank you. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the God of the universe. Not some fake Christ uh, who shows up to run the world system. And they will be ground to powder uh, when that Messiah returns. Okay, when the Messiah returns. And also finally to the church, to you and me, he is the foundation stone and the head of the corner. Okay, he is the foundation stone and the head of the corner. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay that is, then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation uh, that you can lay other than Jesus Christ. Everything else is going to be on soil or sand. That's going to be nothing solid. Uh, and over in Matthew chapter 7, it says, And every one that heareth these words of mine, saying as mine, do with them, I will liken them unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came. The winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Get your house founded on a rock today? Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Uh, is your house today built upon the Roman Catholic Church? Um, is your house today built upon Kingdom Hall Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, is your house today built upon Judaism, Mormonism, and every other uh, man-made religion that's out there? Or is, your, or is it built upon the rock? Is it on Jesus Christ? Because it will not roll away when the floods and the rains come. 
down. Okay? It's going to stand. Stand upon that rock. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, the Bible says, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also ye are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Is that where you stand today? You have the, the rock, you stand upon the rock, you have that chief cornerstone. If you don't, you've got to get that squared away today, friends. You know, God will not turn anyone away. You can be sitting out there today and say, you know what, I, I've just been too wicked. You know, I, God wouldn't have me. You know, we did a Rock of Ages prison ministry for, for several years, and Pastor Dave still goes out there today. And, and I have guys, you know, they were, they, were sin, they were sin. They knew they were sinners. It's easy to tell a convict that they're a sinner. They say, sure, man, I'm a pretty good one too. You know, and, and they understand that, but it's to get them past that point. And, and there are some guys who will say, that, you know what, I've just too, too many things, I'm just too wicked, God won't have me. You know, and there are some folks who will believe that, they, that people are too wicked to be saved as well. You know, you deal with you know, your normal citizen out there and you try to present them the gospel and they say, well, you, wait a minute, what are you telling me? So God will save anybody? So that person over there on death row who's, who's guilty of murder, he, he, if they call out to him, they're gonna say, he's going to save them? They, they, I don't believe that. Believe it. They believe it. God is gracious. gracious. His grace is everlasting. Over, it's overwhelming, overabundant. And, you know, when I think about the grace of God, uh, about five years back we were visiting Gettysburg, and uh, at the visitor center in Gettysburg, they have a library. Uh, not a library, it's a bookstore. It looks like a library, but it's a bookstore. And so I looked at that, and I said, man, look at all these books on the Civil War. And I said, I'm going to get myself a book, and I'm going to read it. So I'm going through, and I'm looking there, and I'm going through, and I'm taking about 20 minutes or longer, and I'm just looking at all the books, seeing which one I'm going to get. I see this book that caught my eye. It was called The Confederacy's Greatest Cavalryman. So I said, pull that book down. I said, this looks interesting. Hmm, Nathan Bedford Forrest. I said, I'll get this one. Go there and check it out. I start reading it. And I said, you want to hear about a wicked individual? Nathan Bedford Forrest, before the Civil War, was a man who was a landowner. He, had, he was probably worth over a million dollars. Then the war came. He was from Tennessee. And... Um, he joined the armies of Western Tennessee. And when he did, he was in his 40s already. And he started out as a private. Within a year and a half, Nathan Bedford Forrest was a general. Okay? And he was running. When he, was, he became in charge of all the armies of, of Western Tennessee. And part of it was with Braxton Bragg. But he had this one part of the control of the armies of Western Tennessee. And, um, but I'll talk to you also about God's providence. I, I mentioned it. Dr. Ben David Lewis, a short time ago. Well, one battle that they were fighting down there, and Nathan Bedford Forrest had an exceptionally long sword he had made for himself. Cavalry officer had about a six-foot-long foot saber. And they're in this battle with, the, with, with federal troops, and they're looking for, for General Forrest, and he's down among all these, these Union soldiers, and he's hitting with the sword, and there's rounds going off all around him, and he's not getting hit. 
So finally, he gets out of there, and when the battle was done, he had his great coat, checked his great coat, his pants, his hat. He had no fewer than 16 bullet holes through his clothes, but he was never touched. So the war goes on, and, and, and he survives the Civil War, and I guess April of 1865, and Lee surrenders down at the Appomattox Courthouse. The armies at Western Tennessee under Nathan Bedford Forrest say, we ain't surrendering. They start headed down southwest, and um, to this day, the armies of Western Tennessee never signed an agreement with the federal government. They remained, uh, they never surrendered in the Civil War. Well, they decided in April 1865, they were going to start this underground group. Uh, you might have heard the name, the Ku Klux Klan, this wicked organization. Well, he did. He was the founder. And their initial intention was that we were going to fight a guerrilla warfare against these federal troops. So they used to put these white robes on, and a lot of times the folks would see their the gray and gold striped pants, and they would superstitious folks thought that they were ghosts of Confederate soldiers coming back to fight. And this went on for a while, but after two years, Nathan Bedford Forrest didn't like the way, the direction that they, this Klan was going. So he made a proclamation that he disbanded it. Said, and we know where that went, but he, he made a proclamation to disband it. Well. Eight years go by, and now it's 1875. He kind of falls out of circulation for a while. But in 1875, he's lived this wicked life. He's up in his 60s now, unrepentant, wicked man. In 1875, he's walking in downtown Memphis just doing some business, and he sees a former guy, a subordinate, a, a Confederate officer who had served under him in the Army of Western Tennessee, and he say, it was, the guy's name was Raleigh White. He says, Rolly, he goes, and he says, hey, General Forrest. He goes, how you been? He goes, good, Rolly. He goes, what have you been doing with yourself? And Rolly White says to him, he goes, General, I'm preaching the gospel of the Son of God. And he caught him by surprise. And so they walked into this little reception area to the local bank, and right there, Rolly White led him to the Lord. As wicked a life as that man led, and two, two years later, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest went to be with the Lord. Sixty-something years of wickedness, and he got saved two years before he died. You see, the Lord is gracious, and he's long-suffering, and he's merciful. And today, he is offering that to you. If you're an unsaved person, and you're sitting out there today, God is saying, in spite of your wicked past, my son died for you over in Calvary, and he's still offering this. You're still breathing, right? He's offering this free gift of salvation. Isaiah 28, 16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste, or not be ashamed. You know, over in Luke 20, and, and, and this is what the invitation is this morning, there's two destinations of folks that's going to take place right here. Um, I see that, verse 18, the Bible says this, and I'll take you back to 17. The stone which the builders rejected, uh, the builders, the, the Jewish leaders, the folks that were down there opposing Jesus all the time, they rejected this stone. The stone which the builders rejected, Jesus uses the question mark, the same has become the head of the corner. Whosoever, you know, Jesus just puts it straight right there. He says, whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. Now, 
If you want to be that folks, that person that falls upon the stone and gives up your pride, your arrogance, your hard-heartedness, your anger, your wicked past, and fall upon the stone and get your pride broken, then Jesus will save you. Then Jesus will save you. But if you choose, like some folks will say, you know, I'm young yet. Got a long life to live. I want to just enjoy some, <laughs> enjoy what out there? Um, I want to enjoy some more life. Uh, you know, I used to say that when I was young, but I remember you know, I was at, when I was a young kid, 20 years old, and the guy said, what are you waiting for? You've got to get saved. I said, I love, you know, hanging out and doing things right now. I want to, I'm not getting ready to get saved yet. I really enjoy that. Yeah, I enjoy getting out of bed in the morning with a, with a major hangover. Uh, and I will tell you, friends, the, the, the most unsympathetic organization in the world to hangovers is the United States Navy. They could care less. They could care less if you have a hangover. It doesn't work for sick bay. They don't get your day off of work. You go back to work. But you know what? I'll tell you what. If you want to be that one and you want to say, I'm not today, I'm not ready yet, I'm going to go out and I'll make a decision next week, you want to wait? What if the Lord calls a church out tomorrow? What if the tribulation starts tomorrow? What if Jesus Christ is ready to come back and you want to delay? Are you going to be part of the crowd um, who will let the rock fall on him and be ground to powder in judgment? Do you want that? I've already picked. I already, I've already fallen on the stone. I've repented. I said, Lord, forgive me. I want to claim the blood from Calvary and say, that's my blood. I want it. He died for me. That's my salvation. You want to do that today? The Bible says, you know, we're all sinners. We all come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. You know what? The Bible says in Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. We're all going to die physically. Unless, of course, the rapture comes and Jesus calls us out. But you know what? It's worse to die theologically and spiritually. Because if you die without Jesus Christ, you are going to be separated eternally in a place of torment and fire forever and ever. Eternally separated from God. You know, God made a provision for that. Uh, while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, Jesus Christ paid a heavy price on Calvary by dying on the cross and shedding his blood for your sins and my sins. You know, it's a very inexpensive gift. It's free. It's free, but it's not cheap. The, the, the penalty that Jesus paid was very expensive. It was costly to him. Not costly to us. We don't pay anything for it. We accept it. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. No exceptions. John 6, 37. Whosoever cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus will not send anyone away. He says, no, you're not. The, you're too wicked. Uh, I don't like you. I don't like your people. I don't like, no, Jesus never did that. Jesus has accepted anyone that's come to him with a repentant heart, wanting to be saved. Will you do that today, friends? Be saved today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. For your word, Lord, um, I think sometimes, Lord, we speak too much uh, and not let your word do enough talking uh, because it's all written right in this book here, Lord. And we ask right now uh, your Holy Spirit would do his ministry of going out and working on the hearts of folks, Lord. If there are folks out here in this building uh, that aren't saved, that this would be the day of their salvation, they would understand, come to a knowledge that they are a sinner that they need to be saved and there's nothing that they can do for their salvation, that Jesus 
hate it all. I ask, Lord, that anyone here like that today, they call out to you right now uh, and ask you to save them. And if there's any Christian in here today, Lord, uh, that hasn't been living for you, uh, they've been chasing the dollar bill, they've been living like the world, they've been getting angry with the things on the newscast, uh, they've, been, they've been siding with one side or the other instead of just siding with you, uh, let this be the day that that Christian uh, gets things right with you, Lord, even now. Uh, and they'd walk out of here uh, wanting to serve you and wanting to uh, get a new spin on the things that are happening out there, understanding, Lord, that even though governments are losing control, and we understand that folks are losing control, but we know that all the while you are in, on your throne and you are in control. Uh, and this is all taking place according to your plan, Lord. So uh, get the hearts right of those Christians that need that today, Lord. We just turn this time of invitation now over to you and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand. We're going to sing, Have You Any Room for Jesus? says in Isaiah 55 who is ever thirsty come it also says you don't need any money it's a free gift and uh, please the world's dangerous enough don't go out through that door without knowing for a fact that you're a saved person they do that this very morning tonight, uh, t now, and uh, it's, it feels like night, uh, and we'll be back tonight, 6 o'clock, and I believe Harold is speaking tonight, I don't know, I, I saw it, on, I, I was planning to, but then I saw it on the bulletin. All right, okay, you're on, all right, Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, how good you are to us, O oh God, and we thank you for the rock, for our provision for life. We thank you for the kindness and gentleness of our Savior, 
who offered himself on our behalf. He was broken so that we might be healed. Father, we just thank you for this day and we praise you. Thank you for your love for us and mercy in Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there is some here who've never been born again, never been born by the Spirit, that they would call upon you and receive you. Lord, we thank you for this day and we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.